my family's dinner conversations, we didn't have the luxury of talking about politics. We did, though, talk about survival. Street, a strategic advisory firm helping CEOs and C-suites achieve maximum value, this is Word on the C-Street, a show where influential leaders reflect on the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and share their perspectives on the defining challenges and opportunities of our time. Hi, I'm John Hennis, founder and CEO of C-Street Advisory Group. Welcome to Word on the C-Street. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with LaFonza Butler, president of EMILY's List. You'll hear LaFonza discuss her organization's efforts to elect Democratic pro-choice women to office and the power of collective action in dismantling systemic inequities. LaFonza, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to jump into something incredibly serious. We're on the heels of the one-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. We have an attack on women's rights. We have an attack on reproductive rights. We have attack on voting rights. So I just want to get a sense of what do you think about what's going on? Well, first of all, John, thank you. For your listeners, you know, you and I started to get to know each other in, in 2019. Then Senator Harris was offering herself for consideration for presidency of the United States. And I think her articulation in that moment is just as appropriate now as it was then. And the vice president articulated where we are as a country as an inflection point. Everything that we hold dear to our being as a country uh, and a democracy was on the ballot. At the time, she talked about health care and she talked about climate and she talked about voting rights and she talked about minimum wage and she talked about education. Now, we still as a country have, we have continued since that time um, on that path of an inflection point. And President Biden spoke to this in his remarks in Atlanta about the, the moments in time where time stops. I agree with both Vice President Harris and President Biden. We are in a moment where time will stop and history will capture where we all are and what we were all doing. And our generation is going to have to answer to our children and our grandchildren, what did we do to protect the democracy of this country? What did we do to protect the rights of women in this country to make choices about their own body? What did we do to make sure that electing democratic pro-choice women was a key choice for us? And where did we stand? And so, you know, I do think that we as a nation are in a perilous moment when what we have known to be true and what we represented, not only for Americans within our borders, but people around the world as a great democracy invested in the experiment of representative government. And, you know, you know that we will see how the Senate moves forward. But For Emily's list, supporting voting rights without supporting the means to pass the bill isn't enough. The work that we do that is core to our mission, um, electing Democratic pro-choice women to make sure that every woman has fair opportunity to participate in leadership and exercise her leadership in elected office, inherent in that is 
can the assumption that every American will have equal access to the franchise. And so it is, it's surely core to the mission of Emily's List. Uh, it is core to the founding of, of our country. And I share your concern. And, and I know that, that at Emily's List, we are, we're trying to think about every way we can to implore upon our legislative leadership that now is the time for our generation to, to be clear about where we'll stand. One of the things that you mentioned was, you know, Emily's List is focused on pro-choice candidates. Talk to me a little bit about what Emily's List is doing. Yeah, the thing that I think it's important for uh, for this moment and is really true for the mission of Emily's List and for, for your audience to appreciate is who we are as an organization. Emily is not a person. It is an acronym, as you know. Early money is like yeast. So we focus on making sure that Democratic pro-choice women are in office. And so that is our contribution to this moment. We would not be in a place, the Texas legislature passing laws like SB8, if there were more Democratic pro-choice women in elected office who could talk about their experiences and the experiences of the women in their communities. Uh, and the men, frankly, in the, in their communities who've had to make choices that they otherwise would not have made, but for conditions that were specific to their situation. There was an article where Senator Gary Peters talked about um, choice that he and his wife had yep. to make uh, to have that. an abortion, right? And it was really powerful to hear not just the agony of the decision, but how men, partners, as husbands, mm -hmm. as spouses, are also impacted by the ability for their wives to be able to have right to make these choices about her health care, about their family composition, about where they want to, to go. And so what Emily's List really does focus on is making sure uh, that there are more voices like that that are a part of the decision making. So what are we doing every day? Protect the right of, of women to be able to continue to make those choices about her health care. We're working with and recruiting candidates like Sherry Beasley to run for U.S. Senate in North Carolina, who was a elected chief justice in statewide in, in the state um, and who's very clear about the, um, the notion that women absolutely uh, have rights to and to access an abortion and have the right to make those choices with herself, her spouse, her family, and not to have government um, determine what is viable for her. Um, mm -hmm. We are working to recruit women like Val Arkush, who is a physician in Pennsylvania, to run for the U.S. Senate. She did a bus tour all across the state of Pennsylvania, talking about what it's like to be a physician who is working with Medicaid-eligible families and knowing and having to hear the stories. We are talking and working with women all across this country who want to be a part of bringing those other voices into those decision-making chambers. And that legislation is made with every woman in mind. That is what Emily's List does. Um, we will continue to change the composition, the very face of politics by doing the work that we do. Best contribution that we can make is putting more women like that in office. I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, one of the things that I focus a lot on is messaging. So at Emily's List, how do you focus on the messaging? Really good question. One, we don't focus on the baseless lies that, you know, were apparent, stay away from 
you know, talking about things in in absolutes. We appreciate that there are tough decisions that these families are having to consider. We think that one of the things that is so important and critical is is the very point that the vice president made in, in her conversation with now Justice Kavanaugh. There is no other law on the books that governs what a man does with his body. Just, you know, this year, more than 400 bills have been introduced mm-hmm. in 43 states all across this country, telling a woman what she can legally do with her own. Got to make sure that we are talking about this in a way that is demonstrative of what is at the essence of this entire conversation, John, is freedom. A woman should be free to live her life, make her choices, decide when she wants to have a family, with whom she wants to have a family, just as freely as men do. As we think about messaging and what Emily's List wants to add and contribute to this conversation is, are men the only genders entitled to true freedom in this country? In most states across this country, more than 70% of our residents actually agree with Roe versus Wade. And we know where the American people are on this issue. The messaging that Emily's List wants to move forward is very simple and very connected, frankly, to the first conversation that we had. In order to have a true democracy, we all have to be treated equal and have the same freedom to make the decisions about our body as anyone else in our country. Messaging has to be one that is simple and true not black or white and not confusing, full of lies and talking points. And so that's how we think about it, John. And and I think that's how most of America thinks about it. So let, let's talk a little nuts and bolts on something. What do you think the, the chances are of the Emily List candidates winning? What can the everyday person do that really, truly cares to help make that happen? Yeah, you know, John, I, I gambled one time in my life when I was in college. I, I went on this road trip with my college roommates and we went down to New Orleans where a lot of my family lives. And I decided I was going to try my hand at gambling, you know, and as a college student, not having a whole lot of money at all, probably, I probably shouldn't have even been on the trip, let alone have the, you know, the idea in my mind that I was going to press my luck on gambling. My point clearly this, I lost then, and I've not chosen to put myself in that position ever again. So I'm not going to venture a guess on how we will do. Here's what, though, I will say. I think, you know, none of us really have a crystal ball and and the dynamics of this country and our environment really does change from day to day, moment to moment, you know, week to week. And so what I know is that the Biden-Harris administration, Democrats being a majority at the federal level, uh, have done an incredible amount to move our country forward. Mm -hmm. You'll recall just a year ago, um, we were struggling to figure out how we were going to get shots in arms. We were struggling to figure out how we were going to have the infrastructure to move vaccine uh, and tests. We were struggling to figure out how we were going to hold families together during, during this pandemic and the economic crisis generated by the pandemic. And I think the Democratic majorities. President Biden and Vice President Harris passed the American Recovery Plan. Uh, They were able to create 
stability for families through the uh, child tax credit and extension of unemployment benefits of millions of shots and arms in a very relatively short period of time. Are we where we need to be as a country? No. This is a virus that we have never had to to deal with and and we are learning uh, more. I think that being able to communicate with the American people about what is being done and what's happening, not only at the federal level, by the way, but at the state and local level, where there is real progress being made and Mm -hmm. where governors uh, and state legislatures are going to have to make decisions and work with local governments about how those resources get implemented. And so we're going to be at Emma's List focused on making sure that we are recruiting high quality candidates that are willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work, lean in with this administration to figure out how we continue to sustain American families, how we Mm -hmm. grow the economy and make sure that we're recovering equitably, that all communities are benefiting. And I think, you know, when we are able to articulate clearly to to voters what is being done and what is going to continue to move forward, I think Democrats have as good a chance as any of earning the vote and the trust of the American people because they we really are doing the work. Not being a betting person, I I lost way more money than I ever even (laughs) had to lose uh, the one time that I was gambling. But I think that we've got work to do to to communicate about our candidates, to communicate about what is moving forward and the policies and how they're impacting people's lives. And I think that we've got to leave no vote behind. We've got to talk talk to every community and make sure that, that we are communicating clearly about what's important to them. So I want to talk a little bit about generation. How is Emily's List reaching out to Gen Z? Because if we can get Gen Z out to vote, right, that is a big contingency that could go and help to swing elections. I think it's a plan in progress at best, uh, John. Okay. And being completely honest with the, the listeners here, you know, one of the things that I want to do as a part of my contribution to the story of, of Emily's List is to bring it closer to the communities. From a generational point of view, it, what is core to Emily's List plan to connecting with Gen Z and, and other generations is, is making sure that we are proximate to those communities proximate to their issues uh, or being perceived as DC organization. We get proximate by being in partnership with organizations that have the community credibility. Um, We get proximate by being in relationship to young people and building um, relationships with the, you know, young Democrats, for example, or historically Black colleges uh, and universities with sororities and making sure that we are we are connected to the civic organizations, the Jack and Jill's. And so thinking about how we make sure that Emlessness is an organization for future generations of every woman, um, Latina, Asian, white, Native American, that we've got to make sure that we are building those partnerships and bringing Emily's List in proximity to them and not the other way around and working a a plan that is relevant to who they are, not not just from the perspective of who Emily's List is. If we can figure out, I think, how to do that, John, I think the organization will thrive into the future, but it really is an essential part of how we move forward in attracting more women to offer themselves as public leaders, public servants, and how we continue to build a pipeline of public servants. Now, speaking about younger generation, I don't want to I don't want to leave this conversation without hearing about you, 
what was that motivated you to where you are today? Tell me about you. It's a really curious question, even for me sometimes, John, how I got here. And it, it was not a straight path. And for me, you know, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi. I went to a historically black college. My family is not wealthy at all. My dad died when I was 16. By the time he passed away, he had had um, six heart attacks. He had a stroke. He had a heart transplant, got a new heart from an 18-year-old who was killed in a motorcycle accident. My family's dinner conversations, we didn't have the luxury of talking about politics. We did, though, talk about survival. And as I went from, you know, a young kid growing up in my, my mom and dad's house to going to a historically black college where my professors were SNCC organizers and, uh, you know, civil rights activists mm-hmm. uh, who spent their summers getting arrested for voting rights, that what they taught me was that the conversations that were happening at my dinner table about survival originated from somewhere, that there are structures that helped those conditions exist. And then I went, honestly, John, from two weeks after, after undergraduate, I started working for, for the labor movement. And for, okay. from the time I was 21 years old till I was 39, I worked in the labor movement. And what I was able to learn from the labor movement, not only being involved in elections and politics and contract negotiations and, and employers. But what I learned there is that collectively, everyday people can do extraordinary things in changing those structures, mm-hmm. in influencing those structures that create the conditions that families only can talk about survival. For me, it has been the my journey that has prepared me to be the new leader of, of Emily's List in this moment. I've only been a Black woman for the 42 years of my life, and so that's all I know how to be. Mm -hmm. But my journey in working with women in Los Angeles from every part of the world um, helped me to understand that, you know, you can't just talk about people having a voice. You actually have to make sure that their voice is heard. And so for me, that meant translating every union meeting uh, in eight different languages. Not enough to say that the Mandarin-speaking Chinese home care worker has the ability to be a part of her union and have her voice heard. And I can't guarantee that she could actually use it in a language that helps her and that she's most comfortable that can articulate her points of view. And so how did I get here, John? I, you know, divine design is what I like to call it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I got here by divine design. I got here because uh, my mother was unrelenting in making sure that uh, that I had some more opportunities than than she had. And, And I got here because I saw every day for 20 years, ordinary women do extraordinary things things and make the choice to put their communities ahead of themselves and make so much difference. And I'm inspired, I've been inspired by that. And I want to make sure that my daughter, who's seven, gets an opportunity to have just as uh, rich a set of experience as me. And if she wants to be a CEO, I want to make it easier yes. for her to do that. 
if your daughter who's 17 wants to, you know, uh, run for office, I want to make sure that she can do that with all of the resources and support that she needs to be successful. And so that's that's a little bit of my journey, John. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's not a straight path for sure. I there's a lot of other things in in and pit stops in between those that I outlined for 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 listeners, but it's been a rich journey. And I am so excited to, to be at Emily's List in this moment to do hard things when it's mm-hmm. it's hard things that are necessary for our country to move forward. One of, one of the things that I just have to say before we get to the end here is the way that you speak about people as humans, the way that you look at community, the way that you look at helping to lift people up, I think that's so inspirational and so important for the world we're living in today because we have such a divisive country right now. And the truth of the matter is when you do put people in in a room together, even if they have totally different views of the world and you just make them connect as humans, they can connect. All right. So three questions. Tell me about something that's been on your mind lately. The thing that I've been hooked on is this book called The Power of Choice. And it really is all about how are we exercising, how are we owning our agency and ability to make choices separate and apart from the external influences that are around us every single day. So now give us a hot take. What's something you believe that a lot of people would disagree with? (laughs) That Brussels sprouts are the best vegetable on earth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a Brussels sprout fan. <laughs> not, not so much. That's not your thing. <laughs> All right. Last, who is someone that you would love to hear as a guest on Word on the C Street? Mm, that is a great question. And I think I would love to hear from Tish James. Okay. Tish James. All right. We're going to do that. We're going to reach out. I'm going to tell her you said that too. So that'll help us get her. All right. Well, LaFonta, thank you so much. Thank you so much, C Street. Thanks, John. Uh, It has been a real honor and pleasure. Thanks for listening to Word on the C Street. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave a review and share with friends. You can reach us at info at thecstreet.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thecstreet underscore NYC.